It's Monday, October 21st. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. It's election day in Canada. Voting there works a little differently than it does in the US, but the issues at stake may seem very familiar. Then, what would have been the first ever federal opioid trial was called off after a bunch of drug companies involved reached a last minute settlement. And finally, why the US military is due for an update. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by CarMax, the way it should be. The most complicated story today is about Canada. Today, the U.S.'s neighbors to the north went to the voting booth for their parliamentary elections. Polls heading into Election Day showed the two major parties in a virtual tie. So today we're going to give you a refresher on how their political system works, who's on the ballot, and what the big issues are. Let's get into it, starting with a quick reminder on how elections work in Canada. In the U.S., candidates running for president often campaign for months, even years. In Canada, candidates running for a seat in parliament campaign for just six weeks. Must be nice. But that's because their system is totally different. They have a parliament, which means people only vote for their member of parliament in the House of Commons, kind of like their equivalent to the U.S. House of Reps. Whichever party wins the majority of seats in the House of Commons gets to put their leader up for prime minister in Canada's version of the White House. FYI, it's called 24 Sussex Drive, which might come in handy for your next trivia night. Anyway, that means all 338 seats are up for grabs today in the House of Commons, and a party needs to win 170 of those seats to form a majority in government. Canada has a population of more than 37 million people. Nearly 5 million people voted early, but it's unclear what turnout will look like today. Some say that the tight race might draw more people to the polls, while others say a lack of enthusiasm for either major party might keep people home. At the end of the day, whichever party gets the most votes gets to name the prime minister. That person might end up being one of two people, and they both have some baggage. In one corner is current prime minister and liberal party leader Justin Trudeau. In the other corner is conservative party leader Andrew Scheer. Trudeau gained international attention back in 2015, when his party won in a landslide. His party is heading into Election Day holding slightly over half the seats in Parliament. But in the last year, Trudeau started slipping from the ranks. During his first year in office, his approval rating was between 50 and 60 percent, which is pretty good. Now, it's down to 35 percent. A lot's happened. First, there was an ethics investigation. Earlier this year, Canada's then-Attorney General said government officials pressured her to settle out of court with a big engineering firm that's based in Trudeau's home district. The firm had been charged with bribery and corruption, and the Attorney General said she was threatened and then demoted over the drama. The country's ethics watchdog said Trudeau broke conflict of interest laws. But he hasn't apologized. Then, last month, there were leaked pictures showing Trudeau in black and brown face. He apologized for this one. Here he is last month. What I did, the choices I made, uh, hurt people, hurt people who thought I was an ally. Uh, I am an ally, but this uh, is something that obviously uh, I deeply regret and I never should have done. But it's not all bad headlines for Trudeau. Last week, former U.S. President Barack Obama tweeted an endorsement for his old friend, saying, quote, 
The world needs his progressive leadership now. So that's Trudeau's deal. Then there's Andrew Scheer, who's the leader of the next biggest party in Canada's government. The Conservative Party holds less than a third of the seats in Parliament right now. Scheer's been in office since 2004, elected when he was just 25 years old. He became the youngest speaker of the House of Commons when he was 32, which is basically a position where you oversee debate. And he's led his party since 2017. But earlier this month, Scheer became involved in a scandal of his own. The career Canadian politician confirmed that he was also a U.S. citizen. He had dual citizenship, which, to be clear, is totally okay over there. But after 15 years of being in public office, some people think it's kind of weird he never said anything. His response, quote, no one's ever asked me before. Fair enough. Scheer said he started the process of renouncing his U.S. citizenship a few months ago, before everyone found out about it. So those are the party leaders and their recent scandals. But what are the issues at stake here? Polls show that voters care most about healthcare, the environment, taxes, education, and immigration. But some people are calling this the Seinfeld election, saying it's the election about nothing. There hasn't really been one big issue that's driven the campaign or captivated the voters. So what are the candidates talking about? In his tenure so far, Trudeau's lowered poverty levels across the country, and the economy's been doing well. He ran on that legacy and tried to avoid digs from his opponents about his scandals. Meanwhile, Scheer's career has largely been defined by social issues, like his opposition to abortion and his refusal to say where he stands on same-sex marriage. This time, he's mostly campaigned on numbers. He wants to lower taxes. If this all sounds familiar, you're not wrong. A lot of these same issues are playing out in the U.S., too, ahead of the next presidential election. So when it comes to elections in the U.S. and Canada, the voting processes may be different, and the scandals may be different, but the issues at play? Not so foreign at all. So what's the skim? Preliminary results are expected to start coming in later tonight. Historically, Canadians almost always give their prime minister a second term. But this is being seen as one of the closest elections in Canada's history. If neither party reaches the magic 170-seat threshold, they'll need to team up with smaller parties to gain a majority. And if neither party is able to form a majority, they might have to call new elections. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but basically, anything can happen. So we'll be keeping our eyes on this one. Expect any news regarding results in your daily skim tomorrow morning. Another issue worth keeping an eye on? The first federal trial into the opioid epidemic, which was supposed to start this morning, until everything changed. We'll tell you why after the break. A car is a big purchase, but it doesn't have to be a stressful one. At CarMax, you can choose from over 50,000 CarMax certified cars to find the right one for you. And when you do, they have your back with a seven-day money-back guarantee. So you get a full week to decide whether the car is right for you and your family. And if you change your mind, you can bring it back for a full refund, no questions asked. It's car shopping, minus the stress. Zero regrets, guaranteed. Find your car at CarMax.com. Today was supposed to be day one of a landmark federal trial concerning the role of drug companies in the opioid epidemic. But early this morning, just before opening statements were scheduled to begin, four of the companies involved announced they've reached a settlement. The companies in the spotlight are Amerisource Bergen, Cardinal Health, McKesson, 
Teva Pharmaceutical, and Walgreens Boots Alliance. The first three are all drug distributors, basically the middle guys who ship out drug orders placed by hospitals or pharmacies. Teva Pharmaceutical is a drug manufacturer. This federal trial was going to be the first time lawyers presented documents and witnesses in open court, explaining how distributors contributed to the crisis, specifically in two counties in Ohio, Cuyahoga and Summit. Now, all of those companies, except for Walgreens, have avoided going to trial, at least when it comes to those two counties. And the Walgreens trial is now postponed till further notice. This is a huge deal because this trial, scheduled to begin today, was seen as a bellwether. It was supposed to set the tone for thousands more opioid-related cases on the docket. Right now, besides the Cuyahoga and Summit cases, there are around 2,300 other lawsuits brought by cities, counties, and other local governments, claiming that drug makers over-promoted the benefits of opioids while downplaying the risks of addiction, and that those companies involved in manufacturing and distributing opioids are responsible for the epidemic that local communities are trying to combat. For context, three of the companies that reached a settlement today were responsible for distributing about 90% of the nation's drugs. But drug distributors are saying, this isn't on us, that the Food and Drug Administration had approved labels warning about the risks of opioids. And as part of today's settlement, they say some funds will go towards resources to support opioid recovery. But before today's settlement was reached, a bunch of different people think executives from these companies, state attorneys general, and lawyers and delegates repping all the different places that have a stake in this case had been pushing for a much bigger global settlement worth $48 billion. It would have encompassed all the lawsuits against these drug companies. But those talks collapsed when local governments said that price would be too little, too late that the settlement money wouldn't be able to resolve the crisis fast enough, and a lot of the funds would be controlled at the state level. Meaning, it might take a long time to get to where local governments say it needs to go, if at all. So what now? Today's settlement only applies to these two Ohio counties, and the companies involved have admitted to no wrongdoing of any kind. That said, some government officials still reportedly see it as a life-saving deal that can help first responders and social service programs. Meanwhile, the thousands of other cases brought forward by states, cities, counties, and tribes across the nation are still, as of now, moving forward. They'll be looking for settlements like today's, or to successfully beat those companies in court. Starting at the stroke of midnight tonight, Northern Ireland is going to make a big change. No, this isn't about Brexit. Instead, the UK territory will open the door to legalizing same-sex marriage and abortion. Northern Ireland's abortion laws are some of the strictest in the world. They're Victorian-era old, and not in a romantic Bronte sister sort of way. Under the 158-year-old law, women who seek an abortion face up to life in prison. Recent polls have shown that most people in Northern Ireland don't want it to be a crime anymore. And they want to legalize same-sex marriage, too. But lawmakers in Northern Ireland's government weren't interested. For the last few years, Northern Ireland's government has actually been at a standstill. Literally, the region doesn't have a functioning government. Which means the UK Parliament had to step in to help. And British lawmakers told Northern Ireland, you've got to make some changes including changes to your laws on abortion and same-sex marriage. 
They had until today to get their government up and running again. That hasn't happened, which means pretty soon, people of the same sex will be able to get hitched, and that Victorian-era law on abortion will be history. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the U.S. military, which, for decades, has operated the special messaging system that would theoretically allow the President of the United States to launch a nuclear missile. Since the 70s, the computer system that facilitates that communication has relied on floppy disks, aka that thing your parents probably used to save documents on before Google Drive was a thing. The theory was that, hey, at least floppies can't get hacked. But now, the commander whose unit oversees the system says, we're upgrading to a, quote, highly secure, solid-state, digital storage solution. Just don't forget to hit eject first. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 